0: And welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the symbolic imagery of each of the 78 tarot cards. If you use a Rider-Waite-Smith deck, or a Thoth deck, or Mel's own Tabula Mundi deck, you've come to the right place. We love making this podcast, and we hope you love listening to it. But you should also know that Fortune's Wheelhouse is more than the sound of our voices. We have a home on the web at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, and we'd love for you to come and visit us. There you can experience the other part of this conversation, where we provide written articles and explanations for even the most obscure concepts you'll hear on the show. And if you sign up to be our patron at even the $1 level, all of that will be at your fingertips. It's a comprehensive tarot education for less than the price of, I don't know even what. My point is, it's a steal. And if you become a patron at the $3 level or higher, you'll get a chance to win our giveaways, like Abby, who won last week's prize. Congratulations, Abby. This week, we're talking about the Eight of Wands, and for reasons we will explain in much, much more detail in the episode, we consider the Eight of Wands a double Mercury card. Mercury is associated with the Magus or Magician, and so... For this week's giveaway, Mel is offering two patrons, Prince of the Magus from Tabula Mundi. With his winged hat and headphones, spinning cosmic beats, he is by far the super coolest magus I personally have ever seen. And if you, or you, are one of our qualifying patrons, you just might be welcoming him into your home next week. And now, here's this week's episode. Okay, so we're here to talk about the Eight of Wands today, the first of the three cards of Sagittarius, which is very exciting, the eight, nine, and ten of wands. The Eight of Wands is the Lord of Swiftness. And that's true both in the Golden Dawn's nomenclature and in Crowley's. So I guess we can start right in on talking a little bit about the astrological aspects of the card, which are remarkable and interesting.
1: Indeed. And,
0: uh, and particularly I think for Mel, because it's Mercury ruling Sagittarius first decan and you have your Mercury in the first decan of Sagittarius. Yes, I do. Yeah. So
1: both, uh, this card and the next card the nine are really dear to my heart because um as you said this decan is where my in my natal chart my mercury falls and in the next middle decan of sagittarius is where my sun sign falls so i like these cards a lot
0: yeah yeah and uh and also it's it's interesting it's kind of a Double Mercury in a way.
1: What's really interesting about these three decans of Sagittarius is every one of them is a double something. <gasps> oh, that's right. This And I, I right. call this one yeah. Mercury squared because it's a double Mercury and we'll go into why. and the yeah. next one's a double moon and the next the third is one's a, a double, double earth saturn wow. going on well wow. so that's, that's true that's really extraordinary i don't know if any other it's sign not anywhere has, else i'm sure that of it three in a row doubled like oh that's
0: really super cool yeah so, so um,
1: this one's mercury mercury or mercury squared because it's an eight so, mm-hmm. Hode.
0: Hode is the Sephira of Mercury, um, yep. the eighth Sephira, and that's eight of wands. And mm-hmm. then it's
1: the first Deccan of the sign Sagittarius, and the Deccan is ruled by Mercury. So you have a dual Mercury influence here.
0: That's right, and so, um, you know, it's no surprise that the swiftest of the gods appears in the swiftest of the cards yeah the
1: quicksilver messenger is definitely in evidence here where um it's kind of like how could you not have a strong mercury vibe to this card exactly
0: you know what's interesting so mercury is in detriment Throughout the sign of Sagittarius and as well as throughout the sign of Pisces. So any, any sign that Jupiter rules, Mercury is supposedly in detriment in. And sort of the justification I've heard for that has to do with Mercury kind of ruling the lower mind, you know, the intellect, the reasoning, the thoughts, whether, whereas Jupiter governs the higher uh, philosophical religious impulses, the, um, the sort of urge to connect and expand on that plane. So um
1: yeah, it's kind of like Gemini, the Gemini Sagittarius polarity, the third house and the ninth house polarity, yeah, the the, yeah. the smaller institutions of education, and then the the grander, mm-hmm. you know, or the short distance travels and the long distance travels. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or the short perspective and the long perspective.
0: Right. And yet, although we see in many places in a tarot deck that either the Golden Dawn or Crowley will express the difficulty the planet is having, you know, say, like um, Venus in Scorpio, or, you know, where, where we have a picture of Venus struggling in the sign of her detriment. I don't really get that feeling so much with this card. No, I actually don't either. It seems
1: in general, really positive. The one way I can see that it may be an expression of Mercury in detriment is just that, to me, this card is a lot about brilliance of idea, but that is fleeting. Ah, yes. It doesn't last. You have to grab it fast if you're going to retain it. And having Mercury in Sagittarius myself, I know how those ideas come and they go just as quick, and if you don't do something to lock them down, they're
0: gone. Because it's fiery; it's yeah. there and it's gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, you know, if you think of that kind of influence of Jupiter and Mercury together, you know, the the Jupiter sort of pushes the impulse fast, so it gives it some of more of that swiftness and expansion. But like a, you know, like a cloud of steam, it a, dissipates. A, and a it's, gust of hot yeah, air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The. Uh, Time of year that's associated with this is November, you know, 20-something to December, early December. Um,
1: yeah, it's that crazy Christmas, Thanksgiving holiday season, yeah. which you think, boy, that doesn't sound... <laughs> <laughs> that that great. But you know, though that whole season seems like it's on hyperspeed.
0: It does. Doesn't it? Like it does. once
1: Thanksgiving happens, it's like, boom, everything moves mm-hmm. so fast. And before you know it, the end of the year is there.
0: Yeah. And it does always seem as though there's a acceleration of communications as well, right at that time, at least in yep. my life, you know, and I think in many people's, you know, even those who don't celebrate Thanksgiving, it's still sort of like, You know, uh, there's a lot to do before the end of the year. The other
1: thing that's interesting is that, so we know that the ruler of Sagittarius is Jupiter, but what's exalted in Sagittarius is the dragon's tail. I don't know, to me that's really interesting because if you think about the dragon's tail, so... It's one of the nodes of the moon. It's the south node of the moon, and that's where the path of the the apparent path of the sun, the ecliptic, crosses with the moon's orbit in two sp- places, north and south. And the the south node is kind of like your accumulated karma mm-hmm. that from if you believe in past lives that you you know things you you've mastered and that you take with you as you move along towards new things. And if you look at the the shape of the symbol, it's a crucible, just like the uh, art card itself oh, yes. has a crucible in it. It's almost that shape. Oh, nice, shape yes, because it's a... Because uh, it's holding that's right. the accumulation of what's been taken in through the north node right. lifetime after lifetime or... In, mm-hmm. your pa- in your past, at least, you could say.
0: Yes, yes. In Vedic astrology, they call it Ketu, and the North Node is Rahu. And with Ketu, I think the idea is that this is, as you said, what you brought with you from your previous lives. And there are areas that you have nothing to learn in, in this life.
1: Yeah, you've mastered it. A lot of things say that it's things you should let go of mm-hmm. in order to focus on the opposite side of the coin, the flip side is where you need to grow and learn. But in my own reflections on it, I don't necessarily think it's something you need to let go of. I think it's something you you you've earned and that you take with you these lessons. Mm-hmm. You don't need to focus on them anymore because you have mastery. You don't need to turn your back on them. Completely, unless unless you do need to because you're not focusing on the things <laughs> you should be focusing. Right. But they're right. a strength as well as, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're not just baggage that you need to get rid of, in my opinion.
0: Right, right. I think so. I mean, another way to, to conceive of those nodes is, you know, Rahu, North Node, is where the hunger is. Yeah, you know, and uh, and K two
1: is where you're full already. Right. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. So as we do these three cards, that's just something to yeah, keep in mind. Keep in yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um, we talked a little bit about this being double Mercury, because Mercury rules the eighth Sephira. and uh, and this is of course the eight of Wands, um, and so, Mercury
1: rules the first. Deccan, which we're in.
0: So one of the things that Crowley said about this card was that um, because of it being the eight and representing uh, the Sephira Hode, that uh, it brings down from Chokmah the message of will. So, you know, with this card, we're always looking for what the message is. And, you know, I think actually in Rider-Waite, It's the only minor that doesn't have people in it because the emphasis is is on the message coming in, the thing coming in. Right. Rather than who's getting it or who's sending it or anything like that.
1: Yeah, and we've got double Mercury, so Magus, and Mm -hmm. the Magus is the wand. You know, when Mm -hmm. we talked about in that episode, (laughs) the Magus himself is the embodied wand. Mm -hmm. So even though he's not a fire sign, he's Mercury, he still has that wand-like energy, and it's all about channeling your will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot in um, the Eight of Wands that is about expressing your will and doing something with these messages that we get.
0: I think with the magician, there's always this question of you know the resources that are at hand and how you're going to bring them to earth. So this is almost that act of transmission.
1: Yeah, there's something about the magus. That- Keywords that I always think of transmitting in the transmitted. Yeah. And that's that yeah. shows up in this card as well because all three of the cards, you can see how they're either receiving or transmitting some sort of message. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Definitely a sort of a broadcasting or electric current transmission kind of thing, conduction, right. electric, uh, conductivity thing, going on, thing yeah. going on. Crystal radio
1: thing going on.
0: Another thing that's kind of interesting is with each of these 8, 9, and 10 cards, Sagittarius cards, it's interesting to look at the temperance card in particular, the temperance card being, or art card being associated with Sagittarius, because Kabbalistically, there's so much going on. And with the magician's path running between Keter and Bina, and then the temperance path running between Yesod and Tiferet, We have, therefore, you know, this sort of like looking up the middle path. There's this connection with Keter through the magus or magician that's implied when you look at the temperance card and you see the crown in the background on Rider Waite. And uh, we certainly have the sun and moon references in every card. So there's sort of like this, you know, from moon, yesod, to sun, tiferet, and then looking way past up towards the crown in Keter. Uh, the the emphasis being on that that uh, that distance and that journey and the need to connect and travel between the two because Mercury as we know is a traveler between the realms.
1: One thing that's interesting, and I have no idea if it's intentional or not, but I was looking at the Rider Waite Smith card, mm-hmm. and the the major element of the card are those eight wands, and they're traveling through the air at this diagonal, yes, and the diagonal shows the path between Keter and Binah if you were stepped into the
0: tree. Again, it's that Mm-hmm. Not the view as if you're looking at the tree, but looking out from the tree. That's right. And that's also similar to the way that the magician is holding his uh, right hand high and his left hand low. Right. So, if so, you're so again, it's in. it's tracing
1: that, that path. So it's emphasizing the magus, which is appropriate right. for this card being double mercury.
0: Yes, yes. And interestingly... Um, if you look at the temperance card in Rider-Waite-Smith, you have the uh, the pouring of the glasses of the cup into the other cup in the opposite diagonal. So there's like a balance. Yeah. You know. One's the inner mm-hmm. view and one's the external view. Yeah. And
1: the other thing about the Rider-Waite card that I noticed is that down below there, there's a river. And, well, that's a water thing. Well, hode is associated with water. It's on the pillar of form. But also, I think that rivers are a motion and a rushing. And I think that kind of goes with the theme of there's a lot of motion in this card.
0: And it's motion through, but filtered through this kind of uh, intellect and system of Hode, you know, so it's very mental. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hode is, you know, they say the eights are the remedy for the sevens. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the Seven of Wands that we did, that the ruler of that one's Deccan is Mars. And then the antidote for that in the eight you have Mercury. So from going from a purely physical force to the application of rationality
0: to, to the situation. That's right. It's sort of like the emphasis from the seven shifts from, you know, it all depends on you, the self, the ego. To get the job done, to the eight, it's more like the the message itself. Yeah, tune in into the tune into the divine message. Right, right. Yeah. It takes it's no longer um, entirely about you.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And the
1: other interesting thing about this particular eight is if you look at all of the eights, they're all very passive and this is the only one that's very active
0: oh that's interesting
1: so think about the other eights you have the eight of cups indolence Mm. you have the Mm -hmm. eight of swords interference where it's kind Mm -hmm. of blocked and and stuck and then you have the eight of discs which is um prudence where in my deck it's you know the nest egg and they're they're very still still cards of like a kind of there's a kind of guarded guardedness or um there's a lack of motion in all of them to some degree whereas this card is the exact opposite of that so i just thought that was kind of interesting and it can only be explained by the dual mercury thing going on
0: right that makes sense although in because right away, the eight of cups are
1: very kind of passive and
0: they definitely have that sort stable, of like
1: you know solid 44 yeah, the system thing the man on. the yeah. government you know yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> the regulation
0: I think, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, inflecting that through fire, water, air, earth. It's almost like the, the eight in fire in wands is almost like a circuit board, you know, where it, all, this, all the paths are in place, but it's firing through them at an right. immense at the, rate. Sp- at the speed of light. At the speed of light. Or at least light. the speed of thought. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Whereas in, I mean, in Rider Way you can make an argument that Whereas we have indolence and thought, you know, in eight of cups you have the person walking away. But again there's that sort of like it's a sense of having been oppressed and it's definitely not at speed. Right. Even though the right. person
1: is shown walking away, they're not doing it quickly.
0: Right, right. And it's because they felt claustrophobic and you know, in some sense emotionally, right? So yeah. so yeah, so eights and water seek to move on, but they're not impelled the way they are in the eight of wands and then eights of air are you know over analyzing everything and then eights in earth are just all about the chopping wood and carrying water right taking care yeah one thing at a time yeah that's interesting
1: even though this is an active eight i think that the eight influence comes in because it's well it's swiftness of thought it's definitely channeled thought it's it's in wonder it, it's in like a pointed direction from point to point mm-hmm. it's not just thought bursting out all over the place you know yes. what i mean it's cha- yes. it's channeled and disciplined thought in a sense
0: right right and uh Crowley calls it energy in its most exalted and tenuous state so that also you know that captures both the swiftness and the fleetingness right and also i think you know when i think when i see this card um, I think about the way um I sometimes think of it as a vector, you know, a vector has no length, only a direction. You know, there's something very abstract about this. Yeah. The point is that you're going somewhere. It doesn't matter how long you know, how far the distance is, but as long as you have the directionality you're going to get there. Looking at the thoth
1: version of the card it's interesting that it has no flames. Instead of flames, it has these, yes, electrical rays or lightning bolts or, or whatever they are. Um,
0: That's right. I think it's intended to be. Um, let's see. He clearly describes it as light wands. Uh, the the light light wands turned into electrical rays. So. I think he, you know, really yeah. was specifically thinking of the nature of electricity
1: and light, because you can see that that's a prism, mm-hmm. and as if you look at the different facets of the sides of the prism, each one is a different color. Oh, it's so an octahedron
0: it's, prism. It's, it's isn't almost it, right? like yeah, it's almost mm-hmm.
1: like yeah, it is almost mm-hmm. like, and from two views, which is interesting. It's from a it's from both a side view and a top-down view simultaneously, which is kind of cool. But yeah. Each one, each facet is a different color, which makes me think of, you know, light hitting a prism and splitting into the colors.
0: And then you have the rainbow above it, right? which is, of course, a reference to the art card, the art card, um, which we should probably talk about a little bit more that... um, because the rainbow theme is so important in the art or temperance card. Um, that's why you have irises on Waitsmith's temperance and it's why um, you have a rainbow a rainbow on, the, um, on your art card
1: and in Crowley's
0: Thoth 8. Ate- of wands right
1: and, Crowley, oh, uh, and uh, uh, Crowley's temperance card this see this is a rainbow oh yes, it's, it's a little faded so it's hard to okay, tell but yes. this is definitely a rainbow so um, what, so that the um
0: Mel's pointing to the uh the motto behind the head of the figure in art in Thoth which is the vitriol logo for alchemy which is uh, uh visit the interior visit a, of the earth yeah
1: and... <laughs> Rectify the stone, or something. Right,
0: visita interiora terrae rectificando, invenio. I thought it was invenius. It is invenius occultum lapidem. So that is um, so. Visit the interior of the earth by rectification. You come to the hidden the stone. The hidden stone. Yeah. That's and of which the acronym is vitriol. Right. So uh it's a, so so it's not just a rainbow um in terms of the division of light but also the rainbow is a metaphor for the the bow of the archer of Sagittarius. Yes. Which is why we see that everywhere in Temperance and art cards and why you have an archer on your art card.
1: And it's also a reference to the sun and moon influence because the path of the art card yes going from solar tiferet to lunar Yisod, and when you think of sun and moon you think of fire and water and you know you see sunlight through water it Makes That's what makes a rainbow. So yes. it's both on a physical level and on a spiritual and alchemical level. There's all sorts of things going on with the, <laughs> with the rainbow symbolism in that card.
0: Yes, absolutely. And then you also have um, the Keshet thing, which we should, um, well, without getting too much into it, we do have an article on the that formation at the bottom of the Tree of Life, uh, the Path of Kof, Shin, and Tav, which forms a bow and an arrow and is also uh,
1: right. it's the bow that sends this the arrow up the central
0: pillar the arrow of Samech. yeah right. we
1: talk about that in the art card episode yeah. and then there is the article if anyone's interested in doing some backtracking to that episode right. It's cool in for a given value of cool <laughs> yeah. it really is cool. and for this for this card, when I think of the rainbow, I think of the goddess Iris. Yes. So, and here we have the messenger
0: goddess. We have the Iris and the Hermes together, the two messenger gods. Yeah, the so, two Olympian messengers. How perfect could and that be? The double be? Mercury and the so double got Mercury Hermes and and Iris. Right, and and here is the thing that you know. I mean, uh, Iris is sometimes also depicted as carrying the caduceus, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and she
1: also has winged sandals sometimes just like Mercury.
0: Yes. And like the temperance or art card, she carries in a lot of depictions, a jug of water from the sticks. And the reason that's important is because it's there to um, deal with those who might perjure themselves. So, mm. you know, there's something about uh, the energy of this card. So it's that, about truth. It's about truth. And the thing is that when you combine this Mercury and Sagittarius energy, there's an incredible ability and resourcefulness and capacity for salesmanship.
1: Yeah, and also Mercury in Sagittarius is known for being blunt, Tell- <laughs> telling the truth even if it's not necessarily what people want to hear yeah, or yeah, the yeah. most flattering. You know, they just blurt it right out. It just comes out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. No sooner thought than spoken.
1: The other thing cool about the uh, the rainbow as a symbol, if you think about a rainbow, it's beautiful, but it doesn't last. Yes. It's it's there and then it fades away and it's gone and that's kind of another message of the the fleeting nature of these thoughts and these things that you get so I when I see this card I think of the fleet swiftness and mm-hmm. the fleeting oh, yes. that which passes away quickly
0: yes yes and I think you know the idea with the rainbow it's you know sun and water r- fire and water sun and rain combined to make the rainbow it's this temporary moment where these opposites have an agreement or an understanding or an entente, you know, the rainbow having also been the sign of the covenant, the peace between God and man at the end of the flood, you know, there's this moment of understanding between fire and water. And uh, and I think that we, you know, when you think about electricity, it flows quickly and naturally between a positive and a negative terminal, right? So right. there's that sort of, again, that union of opposites. Another thing that I found out that was kind of interesting, I couldn't get too far with it, but but apparently um, in France, the um, the rainbow in certain regions of France is known as the Ark of Saint Martin. So it's normally called the word in French normally for rainbow is arc en ciel, which means, you know, ark in the sky. That's it. But in a few places, it's called the Arch of St. Martin. And apparently St. Martin was um, famous because he was uh, a soldier saint, but he was also a conscientious objector. There was an impulse towards peace. And his most famous act was ripping his cloak in half so that he could give one half to a beggar in the wintertime you know, which is a Sagittarian reference. You know, it's just interesting, because there's this idea of something about the rainbow being, you know, just half of a circle that you see, like a saint's halo, only you see only half of it. And that there is uh, like the half of the cloak, that there's this necessity to complete the equation in some way. And that it's just, you know, there's something about halves and opposites that (laughs) <laughs> that goes with this, uh, with this card, and with that figure, and I can't quite get there, but I know it's there somewhere. <laughs>
1: One thing that just came to mind when you mentioned the halo as sort of like a rainbow mm-hmm. is the uh, Sumerian god Ninurta, who wore a rainbow crown, and oh, he ye- was an archer god as well. Really? So that's kind of another cool Sagittarius rainbow. Yeah. All the way back to ancient Sumer.
0: Fantastic. Uh, did Was he a god of hunting or something like that? Yeah, I think, mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't know exactly, but he definitely had some hunting
0: warlike qualities. So, oh, um, Deccan-wise, uh, in terms of historical Deccan significations... They are curious images and not necessarily exact correlations to what we think of as this card. In the Picatrix, it's the bodies of three men and one body is yellow, another white, and the third is red.
1: You know, that makes me... I I saw that and Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the meaning of the colors. And the first thing that came to mind, well, yellow, white, and red... Air, fire, air, spirit, and fire. So right. that kind of makes sense with this card. You've got the fire of Sagittarius and, and the air of, and spirit of Mercury. You I like know, that. Which, so it kind of ties together to my own mind that
0: way. I can see that. I mean the uh, the signification of that image is supposed to be heat, which makes sense; heaviness, which doesn't. Not at all. Growth in plains and fields, sustenance and division. So that kind of makes sense. Yes, this idea that uh, that that there's a a, a rapidity and uh, and an increase.
1: Division makes sense in the sense of um, the the idea of light splitting through a prism, mm-hmm. as well as the prism itself, which is present in the thoth card. And in, in my card as a quartz crystal, as when you think of a crystal, it's got planes and fields. Yeah. I can I can relate to that. Heaviness is the only one that <laughs> makes zero sense in terms of this card.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then we have um, from Agrippa, it's quite different. It's a man armed with a coat of mail and holding a naked sword in his hand. Love the naked swords. But um, boldness, malice, and liberty kind of makes sense to me. You know, you were yeah, talking liberty, about the blunt speech. Liberty especially, yes, blunt mm-hmm. speech, yep. Mm-hmm. And liberty, Sagittarians
1: are a freedom-loving sign.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as for malice, that's interesting because it makes me think of what Austin Kopic says in 36 Faces, the idea of the poisoned arrow or the virus. There's something about this card that is, like, infectious, that um, mm. that causes... Things to spread, regardless of whether they're good things or bad things. You know, they have a power to uh, a contagion. A power of replication. Yes.
1: Kind of like thoughts, you know, thoughts and and propaganda. They have that ability to
0: spread among... For good or ill. Right. Yeah, for good or ill.
1: I don't see the malice in the Sagittarian blunt speech, though, because while they're known for blunt speech, it's usually the opposite of malice. It's just sheer uh, not... Not thinking. (laughs) Radical honesty. Yeah. Yeah. There's usually no malice behind it whatsoever. So if a Sagittarian, you know, tells you, you look fat,
0: (laughs) they're not trying to be mean. You just just look fat. fat. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it's you know perceived as malice. Maybe that's the detriment quality, you know, of being perceived as malice where none exists.
1: Being (laughs) blunt without just speaking without thinking about the effects of the speech.
0: Right. Another thing about eights that might be worth mentioning is that if you look at the Thoth card and the way those eight arrows radiate out from the middle in that kind of zigzag fashion that's very reminiscent of the um eight channel model of consciousness and mm-hmm. the sigil for the for chaos magic
1: yeah totally
0: right you know this idea that um eight is eight is often considered a magical um shorthand for completeness in a lot of systems you know we have the eight uh, cardinal and ordinal directions we have the um the eight areas or um directions in feng shui uh the bagua we have the um the eight uh what do you call them the eight trigrams yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. but also in the the wheel of the year we have those eight right, the quarters, quarters and, and cross, cross quarters, quarters. that's yeah. what i'm trying to remember yep yeah so um so yeah eight as is, far
1: as uh, chaos magic goes i think of it as very mercurial
0: yes Yes, it is. I mean, there's a real emphasis on experimentation, um, mental exploration, thought. thought. Sigils, Mm
1: -hmm. which are Ah, a form of language. Magic power language symbol. Yes,
0: yes, yes. That's right. It's a very mercurial, well, hermetic in a way, you know, form of magic. Um, Definitely uh, the power of symbols. Um,
1: and when I see this symbol, too, it also reminds me of the idea of crossroads, and that 's yes. associated with Hermes, you know oh, the, yes, the god of the crossroads
0: that 's right that 's right, In fact, it is said that you know for for Hermes and for other crossroads gods, all you have to do is go to a place where two roads cross one another to find them, you know that 's their sacred places in the middle yeah. of everywhere. <laughs> There's a certain uh, form of divination
1: that I've heard of where you go to a, a crossroads or a busy a busy street and you throw dough balls onto the ground <laughs> and the first person that steps on one is your divination you read the type of person oh and, that's and cool. what you think of them <laughs> yeah,
0: and then they're like looking at their shoe to see if they stepped on dog shit or something <laughs> so um, in terms of interpreting this card yeah wait said that it signifies motion through the immovable that which they signify is at hand say that again uh let me get the full quote because i'm i have some ellipses in there which are making it hard to totally understand okay the card represents motion through the immovable said wait a flight of wands through an open country but they draw to the term of their course so the end of their course that which they signify is at hand it may even be on the threshold whatever a it is it's about written, to... <laughs> but i get what he's trying to say <laughs> a little well that's wait for you man yeah,
1: yeah you look at it, you look at the card though the rider wait card and it's definitely about a rapid entrance and a rapid exit and a movement towards a
0: goal right Right. Uh, Something is definitely about to happen. And I actually get some of that feeling when I see the Wheel of Fortune, which is, of course, the ruler. Jupiter is associated with the Wheel of Fortune, which is the ruler of Temperance or Sagittarius. There's an immediacy and a sense that things are almost there. Yeah. Almost there, whatever it is. Things are moving. Yeah, yeah. So when you draw this card, what do you tend to observe? I
1: always love getting this card. To me, it's... um... A card of creativity through thinking. Yeah, and the that light bulb moment, the bright idea, the flash of insight, the Eureka moment, where you you're like, yes, this makes sense. This is great. And um, if anything, my caution to myself when I get this card is to pay attention so that you can grasp. That bright idea, that flash when it comes, and either speak it or write it down. Two mercurial things: speaking and writing, to kind of solidify it so that you can grab it before it is before it fleeting and
0: passes away before it's gone. Yep, yep. Well, you know what's super cool? Um, the day I had. The idea to do a tarot podcast, I got this card. That's the day I wrote you. that's
1: perfect, yeah. Yeah, talk about uh, uh, transmitting and transmitted. uh, Exactly, exactly. Speaking and uh, over the radio, the radio waves.
0: (laughs) Not literally radio anymore, but... Same I know what you idea. mean. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I tend to get it for, you know, packages coming in the mail. And it happens. I get it
1: for new endeavors. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, you know, a, a, yeah. an inspiration for a new endeavor, which makes sense with your podcast yeah. example.
0: Yeah. And yeah. For,
1: for brainstorming, this mm-hmm. card comes up and for tuning into a higher frequency.
0: Ah, oh, like what? what do you mean well, like mentally. Mentally. Yeah. You mentally, know, yeah. T-
1: tuning into that where inspiration comes from. Rather than being all involved in earthly and and mundane and pragmatic matters, it's it's tuning into that
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, Yeah.
1: More ethereal yeah the, ju- that the Sagittarian yeah. sort of um the fire of creativity and
0: where inspiration comes from right wherever that is right 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 yeah I also the vision get it for those um creative moments yeah. writing moments I've occasionally gotten it for like so as a writer I get maybe one out of 100 times the writing comes easily you know and it just sort of like you know you get an inspiration you write it down and it's like it's writing itself very rarely but that's associated yeah. with this card for you me you get the grand vision yeah in, in a flash yeah in a flash and it all comes out you know more or less in one piece but um and the other thing that that is kind of interesting that i got with this is that you know last year i started a little bit of a shamanic journeying effort um practice and uh, and i would get that for this because you know hermes yeah. iris both messenger gods both traveling between the realms and um going places that you don't normally go. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that yeah. is cool. All right.
1: Oh, colors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so for the colors of this card, the main color for the Sephira is violet. Um, and then you have the colors for the two related trumps. So for art or temperance, you have all the Sagittarian colors, blue, yellow green and then a um a dark vivid blue (laughs) and it makes sense because when you think of when i think of blue i think it's a very it's a very jupiter yeah sky uh, color color. yeah yeah and to yellow is too to some degree although yellow is kind of both jupiterian and mercurial Um, and solar Yes. Mm-hmm. And solar, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then you have the colors of the magus and those would be yellow and purple and gray and indigo with um, either, I think, flecks or rays of violet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting there is that you have a lot of opposite color action going, you know, yellow versus blue yellow kind purple, of thing. Yeah. yeah. Orange, yellow purple, and violet. red, green, you know, and, um, and again, we've We've talked a lot about how opposites connect in this card, you know, sun and moon, um, water and fire, things like that, uh, for just a moment. So there's a, you know, in all of these cards, we see a lot of contrast. Um, it's very electric.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's, it's, there's a lot in this card too about geometry and straight lines, like mm-hmm. straight paths. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for sure. whether it's, whether it's an actual path, whether in one card it's the path of these wands flying and, and the river and then you look in the Thoth version of the card, you've got these straight lines of these electrical rays and you've got the straight planes of the octahedron <laughs> uh, polygon there. And uh, then in my card you have these straight planes of the quartz crystal and the... The the rays to get yeah, a little closer look at your card about geometry, you know, and, yeah. and, and straight lines.
0: Yeah, you have the eight rays on your eight of wands. You've got the quartz crystal. You've got, uh, you know, the diffraction both of the rays and then of the of, of the, the colors, colors. yeah mm-hmm. you have the mercurial symbols the uh the caduceus and the sandals and the wings yeah uh-huh.
1: the telaria sandals of the ankle it means
0: and uh do, and people should note that there are sagittarius glyphs on the uh on the sandals on the themselves sands. i want a pair of those sandals <laughs> i was just gonna say yeah those they're, they're super cool <laughs> bet you can find them somewhere. Oh, you probably make them, Mel. Make Make them. them. Become a leather worker. (laughs) There you go. I need another hobby. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so we've talked about an absolute ton of things with this card, Um, but we've we've talked about uh, the um, the swiftness of Mercury, its electricity, its bluntness, conductivity, radio waves, messages, the Eureka moment. Messenger gods. The
1: fleet and the fleeting. The temporary reconciliation of opposites. Vision
0: and the electrical stimulation of the brain. The seven versus the eight, emotion versus abstraction. And divine inspiration. Three cheers for divine inspiration.
1: Hip-hip hooray. <laughs> hip hip hooray.
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, we hope that this has helped you get a little bit more of a grasp on the very elusive and swift-moving Eight of Wands, and that you'll join us next time for The Nine. And that's our show for today. You can find us, as always, at our online home, www.patreon.com slash fortunes But there are also a number of other places you can find me and Mel on the internet. All of Mel's books and decks can be found at www.tarotcart.com, So that's your first stop if you want to find anything related to the Rosetta Tarot or the Tabula Mundi Tarot. She's also just started selling signed and matted prints of the Tabula Mundi cards there. So now you can fill all your sacred spaces with beautiful tarot art. As for me, my forthcoming book, Tarot Correspondences, Ancient Secrets for Everyday Readers, is available for pre-order online at Amazon Book Depository and more. Just search for tarot correspondences, T. Susan Chang, something like that. I also have a shop on Etsy where I sell the one and only trademarked Arcana case in lavish silks, brocades, and esoteric prints. I also have my Zodiac perfumes there. So you can pick up a bottle of the Mystic Sea for your favorite Pisces or the cool yet electric Aquarius perfume, which I call Streams of Stars. All of that is at www.etsy.com slash shop slash tarotista. And if you'd like a Fortune's Wheelhouse t-shirt or tote bag or mug, we have those too. They are at our Red Bubble shop, redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. And for those of you who have been our listeners for a while, thank you. You are the reason we do this. If you're loving Fortune's Wheelhouse and the fantastically geeky world of tarot we bring you each week, would you do something for us in return? Leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It's especially easy if you have an iPad or iPhone. Just search for Fortune's Wheelhouse in the podcast app. And when you see us, tap on our groovy purple album art with the Wheel of Fortune on it. It'll take you right to a page where you'll see a reviews tab. And there you can drop us some stars or leave us a sentence or two, whatever you feel inspired to do. And if you just want to talk tarot, well, you can find me, Susie, on practically every Facebook tarot group there is, under the name T. Susan Chang. Thanks for listening. We always love hearing from all you heroes of the astral plane, and we so appreciate your support.